Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not trying to reduce everything in the world to racism. Folks, we all watched a horrible video, a horrific video. Down in Memphis, Tennessee on Friday, five black officers killing an unarmed black man. And some Democrats, Benjamin Crump, Eric Adams, are trying to say we can't rule out racism. Thank you for the education, gentlemen. We've just received a Ph.D. in stupidity. With a master's to go with it, we're going to talk about a very heavy story with former NYPD inspector Paul Morrow. Uh, He's going to be on In This Hour. Uh, to address the gravity, the fallout, the aftermath of what we all witnessed down in Memphis. Really heavy stuff, and uh, I feel for all of our listeners on the roar of Memphis down there, ditching the gang. Uh, Phone lines are going to be open the entire show. We're also going to get into the latest environmental grift with Montana Representative Ryan Zinke, who was a former Secretary of the Interior, first Navy SEAL, to serve as a Secretary uh, of the Interior and a Cabinet member. And, of course, we will get into more revelations about the Biden classified documents. Joe Biden deserves to be driven from office and disgraced. A lot of people feel that way. 888-788-9910 is the phone number, whether you're one of them or not. You know, this is an audio safe space for cool people where we say every day to the point of exhaustion, you could be a Republican on the show, you could be a Democrat, you could be a Libertarian, be anything, independent, doesn't matter, just don't be a... That is all. Happy Monday, everybody. Busy uh, TV day for your radio buddy. I was on America's Newsroom this morning. With Dana Perino and Sandra Smith, who was filling in for Bill Hemmer, who went out to the Kansas City area to watch his Bengals win their way to the Super Bowl last night. Didn't quite work out uh, for Hemmer. The officiating a little sketchy, though. I'm going to be honest. You know the game's on, not on the level when the winning team dumps the Gatorade on the refs. There's a lot of weird non-calls that went the Chiefs' way. Uh, in the final moments of that game, we're not going to harp on it because I think the worst officiating we saw all week was certainly that of the media, who in the aftermath of a video, and I've told you this before, okay, what happened down in Memphis, it's really bad, man, okay, and nobody hates it more than the people who support law enforcement. If you're a good cop, you absolutely detest black, uh, bad cops. You do, okay? And if you're somebody who knows better, who knows that what we saw in Memphis was not representative of the vast majority of policemen in this country, men and women who put on the uniform, then moments like this become really frustrating, okay? Long before the race pimps come into town and start working their angle, why? Please give us money. Because they're trying to get paid. Here is Ben Crump, serial grifter, you know, makes all the money in the world off of these cases in civil court. Ben Crump, you're never going to catch him in the middle of Chicago talking about, you know, the thousands of black-on-black murders that take place every year because there's no money in exploiting them. 
Okay, but this, of course, what we watched over the weekend was horrific. And, of course, it happened at the hands of the police. So naturally, Ben Crump is going to show up and find the nearest microphone he can. Again, why? Money, 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 money. And the money don't come in unless you start alleging racism, unless you start alleging some type of bias. The truth is what we saw in Memphis was horrific. Uh, It had nothing to do with race. It's five black police officers killing an unarmed black man. Any sane person will tell you that. Okay, what a lot of people feel it's reflective of is lowered hiring standards. You know, in the aftermath of 2020, a lot of municipalities like Memphis went out and lowered the threshold for being a police officer in an effort to promote more diversity on the force. Now, I'm not saying the people who changed the hiring guidelines wanted to see something like this happen. But what I'm saying is when you remove the merit from society, you increase the chances that something like this does happen because you get people in the field that don't have the emotional discipline, that don't have the training, okay, that don't have the regard for human life. Because what happened in this video is a complete disregard for human life. It's not about race, but the people trying to get paid are going to tell you otherwise, so let's have, let them have at it. Here is Benjamin Crump, clip eight. So you believe there was racial bias towards Tyree, even though all five of those officers who've been charged with second-degree murder are black? Absolutely. Because when you think about it, as I've said previously, in my 25 years of doing this civil rights law all across America, Martha, it is not the race of the police officer that is the determining factor whether they're going to engage in excessive use of force but it is the race of the citizen. And oftentimes, it's the black and brown citizens that bear the brunt of the brutality. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. So what he says to you is, uh, when it comes to racism, that's the, uh, the race of the officers has nothing to do with it. <laughs> What do you mean? So he just wants you to believe that there's a, you know, black people just hate black people. And that's what this was the end result of. But you understand, OK, we don't know on any level that race played a role in this event. What we know is guys abused their authority. In fact, what I was hoping as someone who cares, as someone who tries to preach nuance, I was hoping this video would open up America's eyes to the fact that other police videos that we have ascribed to racism could have just, in fact, been incidents of abuse of power. I'm not saying it makes them any better. I'm not saying they should be overlooked. But when we burnt down hundreds of black-owned businesses in the name of equality in the aftermath of the George Floyd killing, we were doing so with absolutely no proof that he was killed because of the color of his skin. That's true. That is true. I mean, really think about it. Derek Chauvin absolutely shouldn't have been kneeling on the guy's neck, but it could have been an abuse of power more than it was some type of racial animus. But nobody ever asks that question because that question doesn't give you political clout or money. I think he's got a point. And the bigger point is that consensus is useless. It's useless politically. It's useless financially. We all watch the video. You don't have anybody saying, yeah, but. You don't have anybody saying, well, but what did he do? No, no, no. If five officers have an unarmed man and they beat him to death and the EMTs show up and they wait to treat the guy, 
He's yanked out of the car. He's trampled. He's beat up. Doesn't matter that he made the cops run. You can't beat a guy to death. Okay, if the guy committed 17 murders under the eyes of the law, you can't beat a guy to death. So you understand, we all know that. There is no one in society, no one, who got on TV after that video and was like, yeah, but. No, no, they didn't do that. We had consensus. We all agreed it was awful. It's no different than the George Floyd video. We all agreed it was awful. But that agreement is useless. Okay, these cops have already been charged, as was Derek Chauvin, as are these five cops. Taken off the force, they've all been criminally charged. They're all going to wind up going to jail. Okay, we already have justice being served. We already have consensus and that the video is heinous. But the people that want to exploit this suffering can't do anything with consensus. So they've got to create a new battleground. You know, in the aftermath of George Floyd, what was it? Well, it wasn't Derek Chauvin that knelt on his neck. It was all of America. It was systemic racism. Everybody here played a role. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. But that's exactly what they did. Okay, everybody's a racist. You got to admit it. Go to a special seminar. No more Aunt Jemima. No more Uncle Ben. We're getting the dog off Paw Patrol. Anything pro-cops got to go. You're all a bunch of oppressors. How dare you? And that's the battle line that was drawn in the sand because they could campaign on that. Be with us. Vote for us. 2020 election's coming. We're not racist like the other people. You know, the other people who condemned the George Floyd killing? Same thing they're doing now. Nah, race played a role in this killing. So vote for us. Give me your money so you don't have to be like those other people. You know, the ones who agreed the video was horrible and it shouldn't happen and all the cops should die in prison. Here's Eric Adams. Okay, Eric Adams, just a garbage mayor. Mayor nightclub. Took some time out from popping bottles with models. Hubba, hubba. That's all he does. You run a nightclub in New York City, you love Eric Adams. Nobody's better for your bottom line. He is going to every event, every nightclub, every champagne room. But here's Eric Adams telling you, we got to be honest. This doesn't mean that, you know, it wasn't a racial crime just because all five cops were black. Here it is, clip nine. Chief C.J. Davis, in my interview with her, she said that all the officers being black, it takes race off the table. Do you agree with that? Uh, No, no, I don't. Uh, I think that I understand what uh, the chief was saying, and I think she uh, really handled this situation in a very professional way. She moved swiftly. She ensured that those officers were removed from the department. She took all the necessary steps. Uh, But I think uh, race is still on the table. Uh, When a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. And we have to zero in on it, being honest about it, and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in. You're an idiot! I mean, seriously. Would you shut up? Okay. Whatever they did was horrific. We all condemn it. But Adams is a black mayor, obviously trying to leverage his position here, make it more about him and racism and everything in between. Okay, what you got to understand is police work is the most vital and difficult work in our society. We can't have a society without law and order. When you go out there and your blanket reaction to everything is racism, it makes it infinitely harder for the cops to do their job. It drives the type of mass exodus off the police force like the one we saw down in Memphis, very similar to the one we've seen here in the NYPD. Guys don't want to do the job anymore. It becomes harder to get good recruits because you're really stepping into a very thankless profession. I mean, you think of the message sent to cops in the aftermath of the summer of 2020. 
Do you remember when Jacob Blake got shot? Jacob Blake was abducting a woman at knife point. She was black. He was black. She was a, he was also trying to take her kid at knife point. He was black. She was black. There was a fight with police officers. He was shot. We were told with a straight face that they only shot this man because of the color of his skin. This is a Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes? That's all, folks. Looney Tunes. Okay, as if there's any race of person that can show up and like, oh, you sexually assault a woman at knife point. What color is he? All right, yeah, let him go. There's no version of this. But when you reduce it to race, you make it infinitely harder not only for the cops to do their jobs, but for the good cops to stay on their jobs, but for the potential good cops to apply for this job. And when you lower the hiring standards and you lower the threshold, society suffers as an end result. And your false claims of racism endanger who the most but the black community. Even Bill Maher, I want to give him credit for this. You know, Bill Maher picks his spots well. Here he is explaining how the focus on race is really stopping society from fixing real problems. It's clip 10. You know, the, the, these shootings happen. We go through these, this ritual where then we wait for, the, for them to announce the race of the shooter. Like we're waiting for the Oscar nominations. Because that's, you know, somehow to a lot of people the most important thing. And I just thought it was very interesting that this week Asians were killed by Asians, two Asian men who are, you know, 66 and 72. And then this week we just got this video of the Memphis Five. A black man is brutally beaten in Memphis by five cops. They're all black. I guess what I'm asking is America's culture of violence, it does go deeper than race, right? And I think this monofocus we have on race is short-circuiting us trying to fix some of the realer problems. He's spot on. Okay, there are problems. There are problems within policing. Okay, those problems aren't going to go away if we keep calling cops racist with no regard for context because it's going to drive the good cops away from the gig, which means the police force, okay, doesn't become better. The relationship with the community doesn't become stronger. You know, and what we're learning down in Memphis is in a lot of ways, you know, we've got a scorpion unit that's since been disbanded that was mainly formed in an effort to make the cops look more like the community they protect you know but the reality is we don't need okay more black cops or latino cops or white cops or asian cops or muslim cops what we really need above all else is more good cops And it's getting harder and harder to find them every time these race pimps try to get rich off of the suffering of some poor innocent victim. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We're not getting enough good people applying because of the of the disparagement on police officers. I talk with police officers all the time. When I, I remember flying through the Chicago airport, the Phoenix airport, talking with officers there. Right now, they don't get enough people applying, taking the test to enter the academy to be an officer. 
because there's been this defund the police concept out there. There's been this this attack on law enforcement and you're not getting the best of the best. In fact, they may have 100 openings and get 10 people to apply. Think about that. Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. That was Jim Jordan from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, regular on the show, talking about, a, you know, it's a really harsh reality that we're facing right now, okay? You know, I come from a big law enforcement family, both my brothers, my dad, my Uncle Sonny, cousin Johnny. You know, I got a lot of cops in my family, everybody. I mean, I took police tests. And uh, I, I, I actually got hired. I got, I got hired for the city job. I got hired for the Port Authority job. But I had just started out as an open mic comedian. And I was like, I don't need these jobs and benefits. I'm making $13,500 a year. Come on. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I know. But seriously, I was making no money. I was getting paid in drink tickets. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I could have been a cop. Everybody else in my family was. But, you know, I have so much great respect for people who put on the uniform because I spend so much time around it. And then later in life as a cab driver, understand, you know, I used to get pulled over all the time. But bigger than getting pulled over and having interactions with the police is just understanding just how raw that gig can be when you're out on the street making arrests, fighting crime, stopping murderers and rapists and everything in between. You know, emotions run high. It's a very challenging profession. And the idea that we now live in a world where we don't give the benefit of the doubt to the people who put on the uniform first winds up making all of us, you know, a lot less safer as a result. Now, what went on in Memphis from any angle appears to be a horrific, egregious abuse of power. It does. But we have no evidence that race played a part. But by running out and saying it's racism and everything in between, you really will make, um, you know, the end result of this being more early retirements and a harder time for departments to meet their recruitment thresholds. And that's bad. So I said this Friday before the video came out. You really got to try to be responsible with, you know, your reaction to stuff like this. Absolutely positively condemn it because it should be condemned. Every one of those cops should go to prison. There's no yeah, but on that. It just looks horrible. Okay, that being said, you don't need to add to the horrible to get your own clout out of the deal. This is where I get so upset with the race pimps. When you see a guy like Eric Adams or you hear a guy like Benjamin Crump, you know, start telling you, no, no, it's racism. You don't understand. Oh, well, that's them trying to work their own angle in addition to the angst we're already feeling. And ultimately, yeah, that's done with their benefit in mind. It's not helping you. Anybody who told you defund the police wasn't helping you. In fact, most of the people, if you remember, that said defund the police held on to their police details. Okay, that was the big fallout from the defund the police movement. You had everybody in the squad. No, no, we got to defund the police. You know, the AOCs of the world who have a private security detail, the Cory Bushes of the world who have a private security detail. No, no, we got to defund the police. I'm telling you, they're not safe. Get rid of them. I mean, not mine. The armed guards supplying me are fine, fellas. But everybody else, your police, they got to go. Democrats are so full of crap. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. You know, I opened the show with this whole monologue about lowering standards. And as you know, I'm going to be on the Greg Gutfeld show tonight. And apparently even their bookers are lowering standards because joining us now on this show is a guy who will be joining me on that show. Former NYPD inspector Paul Morrow in the house. Hey, man. How are you? Uh, it's going to be uh, better now after that 
electric greeting from yourself. Yeah, that was a great intro. That was really, <laughs> really enjoyed that. I'm so glad I came down here to talk to you, Jim. <laughs> Paul Morrow takes a lot of shots at me off the air. Then we go live. You take one shot out of me, walks right off the set. I'm very upset. <laughs> How about a hug? Actually, forget the hug. Right, you don't want the hug. No, I don't want the hug. Good to see you, my man. I'm pumped up for tonight. It's going to be good. Yeah, we're going to have fun. It's me, Paul Morrow, Douglas Murray. Cat Timph is in the house. And, of course, our lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Guffeld. Fantastic. Highest rated show in late night. Uh, we're all thrilled to be a part of it. And I love Murray, but I have a theory. Everybody sounds smarter with a British accent. You know That's what I'm saying? Absolutely true. Right? That's why we, World War II went the way it did because Churchill sounded the way he did. <laughs> I have a theory. If, if he sounded like you and I, uh-huh. we'd all be speaking German. But before, <laughs> before this is over, I, I'm going to prove that Stuart Varney is from Piscataway, New Jersey. You're going to prove born, that, huh? This born is, and raised. This is your life's I've work. I've told him this. This hey, is what I'm after. All right. Well, you know, speaking of lowering standards. <laughs> You're trying to fight crime and save the world. I'm getting to the bottom of accent game. Right, you should be very proud. I'm sure the, your family is just thrilled. Uh, the fail is going to kick out of this. Um, let's talk about the Memphis situation. It's obviously really heavy. Um, I saw you do hits on it Friday night. And I've been following it. I, you have a good op-ed on FoxNews.com. Thank you, yes. There you go. I, I, it is up, yes. Um, there are people trying to exploit this for you know racial divisions, the Benjamin Crumps of the world. Even Adams had what I thought was kind of a, a wild pitch on that. But at its core, what it looked to me like was just a, an abuse of authority. Like yeah. what was your – was yeah. that your 20,000-foot view? Yeah, so – you know, having had time to sort of mull it a little bit, um, actually, in a lot of my initial reaction, I think, holds up, which is that this is a unit. There's some tells here, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a phenomenon endemic to police departments. Mm-hmm. These units, they end up becoming their own little echo chamber. They're operating in many instances uh, off by themselves in some very tough areas. They only see each other. They hang around with each other. They're working odd tours. They go to court together. The point is they begin to drift away from the department writ large. Okay. And the echo chamber begins, and very often that echo chamber isn't great. Mm -hmm. NYPD has learned this sort of stuff being the biggest Mm -hmm. the hard way down through the years. And very often you end up with corruption issues that come out of these sort of far-flung units that are constituted to be undercover, very insular, and um, it often – uh, most of the time it works, I should I should mention. But when it doesn't, what you often get is like, let's say, corruption issues, things okay. like that. You know, mm-hmm. the history has shown us that. Mm-hmm. That's the read that I get off of this. This is a unit that got out there on a limb. They felt they sort of drifted away from the rest of the department. The mm-hmm. oversight wasn't good. The supervision doesn't appear to be good. And why do I, what do I base that on? Because aside from the fact that they acted the way they did – yeah. If there's some subtleties to it. Look afterwards. They mm-hmm. left their body cams on, first of all. Now, think about that. They were – they felt free to do what they did mm-hmm. with body cams yep. on, which that tells me that they weren't very worried about how their overhead was going to react That's to what, That was going to be my question, is right. in what world, in a post-George Floyd world, do they feel comfortable doing this? It's mind-boggling. And then not only were they comfortable, but then when it was over, they're fist-bumping mm-hmm. and they are speaking. It's a very celebratory atmosphere. Mm-hmm. When the whole thing is done yeah. and Nichols is leading on against up against the car, they have him sat up mm-hmm. and they're talking amongst themselves. And let me tell you, legally speaking, now putting on my lawyer hat, that's bad news for these guys because all of that is going to be admissible evidence, the way that they're celebrating, et cetera. There's also a moment where they seem to – one of them seems to be explaining to what I take to be a supervisor that's mm-hmm. off camera. Yeah. And he seems to be putting a different light on what occurred. Yes. And so that sort of shows cognizance of guilt that he's trying to obfuscate what went on. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's all bad. And I think it is a situation where when they do the top to bottom scrub on not just the unit but Mm -hmm. the entire department, Mm -hmm. 
it's going to come back to some real bureaucratic failings, supervisory sta- uh, failings, maybe some recruitment failings, as you're talking about yeah. lowered standards. Mm-hmm. And think about this, Jimmy. You know, I think that there was a an element of this from the get-go because think about the name of the unit, yeah, Scorpion, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, it didn't have to go that way, but to name a unit Scorpion, what does a Scorpion do? It stings and kills you. Yes. And the NYPD has, and I'm speaking about NYPD because it's the department I'm most familiar with, but they have units that do similar kind of work. Mm-hmm. But they, it, their name is their mission, anti-crime. Yeah. That's what they call those yeah, units, yeah, yeah. right? I mean they purposely choose a moniker that embodies what the unit is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You constitute this unit, throw them out there, tell them you're the scorpion unit. Yeah. You see the atmosphere developing, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of this is going to go, you know, department wide. Not, I'm not saying that all the folks in uh, MPD mm-hmm. are anywhere near this, mm-hmm. and I'm sure the vast majority of them are good people who show up to do God's work. You know, mm-hmm. God knows they're not making much money, but I think by the time the dust settles, you're going to be looking all the way to the top. You know that mm-hmm. the top of this department has been more than happy to take credit for the successes of the Scorpion unit. Yeah, for sure. Somebody way up the chain, including Chief Davis, is Mm going to have to take the blame as well. Heavy stuff. Paul Morrow is in the studio, retired NYPD inspector. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, there's first of all, just to qualify this, there's no context that can be added to this video that would justify the way this man was treated. Okay, if he had killed nine people, under the eyes of the law, he still needs to be afforded the human dignity that, that right. he was denied. That's right. But has anyone given any explanation for why they came in so hot? Because it almost looks like a personal animus or something. It, it really does. And it's led to all these conspiracy theories that are bouncing around that I would urge people to ignore. Um, but all I would say is that it was very poisoned mm-hmm. from, the from the get-go. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like uh, – let's just speak tactically, right? Yeah. Everything was done wrong here. Mm-hmm. They go in. I don't know what it is he did that so infuriated them. But this is a car stop. I yeah. mean, conceivably, it was going to be a summons. Yeah. You know? I mean, God. And and they they go right up on the car. The first guy rips him out of the car. I mean, mm-hmm. you're already at DEFCON 5. He's screaming. In fact, and there's a point I made uh, on, the other, on the air the other day. The only person that seems to be cognizant of any sense of de-escalation is the victim. Yeah. Right? Uh, Tyree Nichols mm-hmm. is the only person that seems to want to uh, de-escalate. So – as you're saying, they went in tremendously hot. You know, the, the paradigm in policing they teach you mm-hmm. is when you need to get compliance is ask, tell, make. Okay. And that's an effective sort of uh, maxim to have in your head because it's very easy to remember, right? Mm-hmm. Start with ask. You okay. know, Now, you don't always start with ask if it's a hot situation, somebody's shooting or something. Yeah. But in a situation like this, you're going to ask for compliance. Then when you're not getting it, as long as you're legally in the right, you can tell and then you can force compliance, mm-hmm. okay, depending on what the circumstances, say a trespasser or something. Yeah, yeah. In this case, there's no ask, there's no tell, mm-hmm. there's just make. They go right up, he rips them out of the car. It's going to be bad from the get-go. Yeah. So I haven't seen any explanation, and there are subtleties here. We haven't seen any footage um, from the body cams from mm-hmm. before the car stop. Yeah, that's what I was interested in. And – this is a semi-undercover unit. They're in uh, marked clothing, but my understanding is that they were in unmarked cars, Okay. all right, which means that they likely, not definite, but very likely don't have dash cams. Okay. So you're not going to get from the dash cams what mm-hmm. led to the car stop. That means it comes down to the body cams that the cops had on them. Those yeah. are activated by the cops themselves. Mm-hmm. they got to press the button. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some departments have this thing where if you go lights and siren, it automatically oper- uh, yep. you know, goes Turn on. 
So I don't think that they did that. I haven't heard that. Mm-hmm. So we may never get, in terms of video, yeah. what the precursor to this was. Uh-huh. Um, now, that said, let's do the contrapositive of that. Okay, they decided that they wanted to just do this sort of thing that night mm-hmm. and just chose Tyree Nichols. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Mm-mm. So I think you put your finger on it. I think that the precipitating event here is going to matter um, yeah. in terms of their prosecution. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, nothing justifies what they did. Yeah. But here's why I'm saying that. There were five cops here that are indicted and mm-hmm. a sixth that's been suspended. Yeah. We're already seeing their interests diverge. Yes. They've lawyered mm-hmm. up. A couple of them have already put out preliminary statements saying my guy is not as culpable so as the people that try to turn on other guys? Is that what you're Pers- saying? Yeah, exactly. And so the, what led to all of this? Who made what decisions? There's no boss on the scene. You'd like in a situation like this. Generally, the ethic in the police department is that the senior officer, the guy with the most mm-hmm. time on, uh-huh. would be the one to call BS and say, you know, knock it off, knock it off, and yeah. he would be listened to. Mm-hmm. Nobody here does that. Yeah. There's no boss there. And so when they start to figure out who's most culpable, do we need to peel somebody off? Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that's going to come up. Well, what precipitated it? And, what mm-hmm. you know, what did this particular officer do? What did this one do? You're going to start to see these sort of things diverge. We're talking to Paul Morrill, former NYPD inspector, and yeah, I think that's where the trial phase really makes us interesting. Um, one of the things, you know, as I was, as I was watching the video, which is, it's a, it's a really tough watch, man. And, uh, you know, we're talking about it in the aftermath, is I'm trying to figure out, and I don't know that anyone's spoken to this, what amount of time did these guys have on? Is it, is it, is it accurately attributable that they were hired as an as a result of 2020, like in the aftermath of 2020, they have three years or less? Do we know that or no? I don't believe we do. I have not seen, and I'm following it pretty closely, okay. I have not seen like the sort of uh, individual personnel details uh-huh. okay. about how, and that's been raised. And so, that'll probably come in a trial, though? Well, I, it shouldn't. Okay. I mean, that, that's public information, like when the oh. guy joined the police department and why mm-hmm. he was chosen for this unit. Now, you know, I will admit, actually, that you bring the point up that mm-hmm. – um, it's a little troubling yeah. that that isn't out. We should probably already have that kind of information. Well, that's what I mean because I feel like that's the kind of information that would be here unless it really does reflect negatively on the bureaucracy itself. Right. Because I, I had read an unconfirmed report, just so everybody understands. I'm trying to be responsible here, that they were almost hired by the city outside of the department's traditional recruiting process right. in an effort to boost a diversity initiative, which, again, is the worst thing. I, I said it before we had you on. I said the issue in policing – is not what color the cops are. It's 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 the quality of the individual. That's right. And that's my biggest concern is that I think something like this leads to more quality individuals, you know, leaving the force or at least not applying for it. I mean, is that your concern here? Yeah, so that's becoming a little bit part of the narrative. One of the things that is definite is that MPD had to lower its standards a number of years ago because they just couldn't get the recruits. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was, I think, one of the things that led to a very good era of policing here in New York. Um, Ray Kelly was very big on this. And he put in requirements that of education. He raised the educational requirements. Uh, the only way around that was military experience. And what mm-hmm. did you get? You got then... Guys coming back from the military, guys and gals who had been deployed overseas in many instances because it was the era of Desert Storm and Desert Mm -hmm. Shield. And so you got folks that really understood chain of command and a military or paramilitary organization, what was expected of them, show up on time, you know, have your uniform squared away, people treat Mm -hmm. people respectfully, or people that were a little older because they went through the educational process. And you'd been a little scuffed up and uh, you'd been out in the world a little bit and you were a little bit more sort of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, mature. Yep. Um, MPD apparently went the other way in recent years because they just couldn't get the recruits. And, you know, to put a real crass note Mm -hmm. on it, 
sometimes it really does come down to you get what you pay for. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's what's going on with these mm-hmm. five guys. For all mm-hmm. I know, they're all veterans, and that's not the issue. But um, police work costs money. Yep. And uh, police departments are expensive. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. And you get overtime and everything else. But, you know, sometimes more is not more. Sometimes yeah. more is less. And you're better off, I would argue, with active cops who want to be there, who are held to a higher standard. And the only way to get those, unfortunately, is you've got to pay them. Yeah. Otherwise, they're going to say, well, I'm not going to go into this line of work, which is these days very underappreciated, mm-hmm. and make $30,000 a year. No. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I... When I started out, we were making south of $30,000 a year, and it took five years to get the top pay. You just kind of yeah. grinned and, bear, and, and bore it, but at yeah. least there was some, at the time, a little bit more respect and prestige to it. Yeah. Um, you're taking that off the table these days with the defund movement and everything mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, that, that really could become a, a, a part of a, a real problem nationally going forward. That's what I feel like because, you know, having been around it a lot myself, certainly my family and in a cab, I've always said, like, you know, police are like the NFL referees of life. You know, yeah. they make a billion calls a week. We're obviously only going to judge we don't the ones we don't like. Right. But we don't have the adrenaline or the millionth of a second or the other decisions they made. But what really breaks your heart is when you see a video like this yep. where there's, you know, you could have had 20 minutes and there's no version of this that shakes out well for them. So here's my last question on that, and then I just want to pivot. Um, the EMTs who show up and yeah. don't render aid right away. Bizarre. Yes. Bizarre. Yeah, I don't get that either. That's your job. That's what you get there to do. Go over, check the guy. He's, I mean, you've seen the photos of him yeah. lying in the hospital bed. Mm-hmm. There's no missing. You don't have to go to medical school to see how banged up he is. Yeah. I don't. I don't get that. They're obviously going to be in, you know, in the hot box here as well. They mm-hmm. are being looked at. There's mm-hmm. an internal investigation there. Look, I think this investigation is going to go quite wide, and now the feds are jumping into it, which I don't think is necessary at this stage. Because everybody wants to be part of it. Don't you run the risk of two investigations, too? That's precisely right. And they're going to be, you know, look, they'll put a firewall up. They'll say two separate investigations. We don't touch each other, et cetera. The defense lawyers are going to go at that hard. It'll probably survive it. But it's just a bureaucratic headache you don't need. It's not necessary at this point. Tennessee is doing everything that should be done. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to inject. Because I really, you know, I I wrote a piece that's up on foxnews.com that just dropped over the weekend that, um, you know, the whole thing so far, I think, has been handled pretty well, pretty, mm-hmm. you know, quickly, yeah. right? The quick uh, dismissal, right away, yeah. quick indictments. And we haven't had, you know, the street unrest that we had with Floyd. You know, mm-hmm. we seem to have learned something. Yeah. Um, to inject, let's, you know, there's no way around it. Putting in DOJ at this point with all the issues that are floating around DOJ to have some of their overhead at the lectern talking about how it just politicizes it. Yeah, it does. And we don't need it. It's It's being handled. Let it be done the right way. Let's not have a feeding frenzy yep. that only makes things worse. Yep. Uh, Paul Morrow, uh, we have to do a comedy show now <laughs> at 11 o'clock tonight. I know. Yeah, I I'm, just I'm got really this out of our system. <laughs> I, gonna... I got bad news for you. Same topic tonight. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't read the rundown yeah. yet. Yeah, well, I read. You well, know. we're going ta- to tag the A block of Gutfeld tonight, but it's, it's all we're skiing downhill from there. Maybe they can just replay this, actually. <laughs> there you go. I save them some time. Great stuff. I will see you on the telly tonight. Sounds great. Back after this. Taking the edge off, one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America.
It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Shout out to my man, Paul Morrow. He will be on Gutfeld with me this evening, 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. It is the highest rated late night comedy show in America right now. It's kind of a big deal to be a part of that. So me, Paul, Kat Timph will be there. Douglas Murray will be there as well. And uh, we will undoubtedly expand on the conversation we have begun here in this hour regarding the events that took place down in Memphis. Now, one of the points Paul was making off the air is everybody running out and telling you, oh, you know, the cops are so racist. It's so bad. I mean, how many events like this happened that we don't know about? Okay, the truth is body cams have become a great ally to good cops in the sense that if this was going on every night, you would know about it. Okay, the fact that we don't have this stuff happening again and again and again is actually proof that the police are a much better caliber of people than the race pimps in the media are telling you. Okay, again, no consolation to the family of Tyree Nichols, no consolation to the victims of any type of rampant police abuse. But the reality is if we were going to have a statistical conversation and really be honest about the police use of force, about who's getting shot in greater numbers when it comes to unarmed encounters with police, okay, it's very important to keep facts in mind if you want to have a fair conversation. The truth is most of the people aren't interested in a fair conversation because the truth doesn't always get people paid. You know, that's the challenge here. But as we go forward, you know, into the next hour and through the remainder of the show and certainly through the remainder of what's left to this country, uh, it would be helpful if we could start being a little more honest about all of these things, because there's a lot of great cops out there tonight that you're counting on. And we need them to get out there and do their jobs to the best that they can. So give the good cops a break because they deserve it. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we got a big hour coming up on this show. A lot of you and me time here on Fox Across America. You're home for top shelf radio in a bottom feeding political world. Well, I will tell you, uh, I was hanging out with my family this weekend. I was not launching a presidential campaign. Donald Trump making his first appearances on the campaign trail of the 2024 race. And we are going to cover a lot of it in this hour. You're about to hear the greatest speech you've ever heard. It's modesty. It's always the thing I liked most about Trump. We're also going to get into Joe Biden, who is in more trouble. Oh, my goodness gracious, over the classified document scandal. Not looking good. Come on, man. And we will, of course, uh, keep you up to date on the developments out of Memphis and everything else going on in this country. You know, Fox Across America. Very much America's family meeting. Uh, It's going on in the country. We're kind of talking about it here at the radio dinner table. Uh, A dinner table that heads west this week. I will be in Carson, Nevada this Saturday night, February the 4th. The first two shows sold out uh, at the Carson Nugget, but we have added a third show at 10 p.m. Did a nice promo on KSUE Radio this morning. The morning crew chatted it up, talked about the big gig. Some of them are going to come. Some of those guys and gals are going to come down and hang out and have a wild time with your radio buddy. If you're in the area, Northeast California, if you're listening on KKFT out there in Reno, come hang out with your radio buddy Saturday night. There are tickets still available for the 10 p.m. show. You can get them at CC. Nugget.com. But right now, we're back on the East Coast in New York, Fox News headquarters, talking about the Trump speech. So a lot of things went into this. Uh, Trump spoke on the flight down about, you know, potential challengers, the Nikki Haley's, the Ron DeSantis's of the world. 
Uh, and I want to give you some of this because the race right now hasn't actually started. What I mean by that is, you know, Trump got in early. The reason he got in early is because every single pollster, every internal analyst, analysis, everybody on earth thought the Republicans were going to win everything imaginable known to man in the midterms. I did. Okay, to be clear, we there were there were some people projecting that Joe Biden would lose more seats than even Barack Obama, who, to be honest, to be clear, Barack Obama lost more seats for his party than any president in the history of the United States of America. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. The point is there were some people projecting that Biden could lose something on that level, could lose the House, which he ultimately did, barely, could lose the Senate as well, and really leave his party in a bad spot. Knowing that was the trend, Trump announced— and this is just smart politics by him, Trump announced his campaign launch and wanted it to coincide with the big red wave in the midterms so he could take as much credit for the Republican success as possible. And I, you know, would venture to say any politician in his position would do the same thing because you're trying to get as much momentum as you can out of the gate. Unfortunately, the red wave didn't materialize, but Trump decided he was going anyway. He didn't postpone it. He waited. And one of the reasons he didn't postpone it is Trump was trying to get into the race early to drive most of the money out of the race, meaning knowing he is as historically popular in the party as he is, he assumed that getting into the race, glomming up big support, glomming up big fundraising would drive other members of the Republican Party to be like, nah, you know what, I'll wait till 2028. That's not going to happen. And I told you this way back when, way back when, everybody who was telling you they weren't going to run if Trump was running was lying to you. Why? Because if you say you're going to run against Trump, that means you're now running against Trump immediately. He starts attacking you immediately. You start depleting your resources immediately if you go in now. Tell it like it is. Which is why everybody out there who's a relevant contender hasn't committed yet. You haven't heard Ron DeSantis say he's going to run. You haven't heard Nikki Haley say she's going to run. You haven't said Tim Scott say he's going to run. But what do all of these people have in common? Probably all going to run. They're just not saying it now because they don't want to get stuck in a campaign any longer than they need to. Because you understand the end result if you're running for president is to make it all the way to the White House. You need the resources. You need the time. You need the energy. Okay, but here is Trump on the way to his first event going in on the Nikki Haley's and the Ron DeSantis of the world. This is clip 12. Talked to her for a little while, but I said, look, you know, go by your heart if you want to run. She's publicly said that I would never run against my president. He was a great president. So that's Trump on his plane talking about Nikki Haley. He said, you know, go by your heart if you want to run. And he's, you know, quoting her as saying she'd never run against a president. He was a great president. I don't doubt she's taken those positions in the past. I don't know the direct quote there. And it's, you know, Trump is known to exaggerate from time to time. Uh, But the point I'm trying to make here is a lot has changed in politics since a lot of these things were said. Like I'm about to play you a clip of Trump talking about DeSantis and how DeSantis wouldn't have won Florida and become governor without Trump. Now, to be clear, he's right about that. In DeSantis's first gubernatorial election, he beat Andrew Gillum, who is God knows where, was wound up, you know, 
in a male escort drug den at a hotel where he was busted by police. It was a big mess, you know, after losing the gubernatorial bid in Florida. DeSantis initially did get over the tr- over the top because of his help from Trump. Now, understand, we're speaking to a different lifetime in politics now, where the DeSantis brand has just won re-election with no connection to Trump, but based solely on the merits of his leadership in Florida. But here is Trump calling out the fact that he believes DeSantis would be disloyal to run against him. This is clip 13. So Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me, and that's okay. And uh, number one, he wouldn't have gotten the nomination. And number two, he wouldn't have beaten uh, his Democrat opponent. So then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal, but it's not about loyalty. But to me, it is. It's always about loyalty. But for a lot of people, it's not about loyalty. So, I mean, to be clear. Okay, it is true that Ron DeSantis would not have gotten the governor, you know, the governor's mansion the first time around without Trump. Second time he would have. Fair, fine, great. Factor it in. But by Trump's own math, if it's really about who wouldn't have gotten something because of somebody else's endorsement, you absolutely have to know this is true. Donald Trump wouldn't have been president in 2016 if Mike Pence wasn't his vice president, specifically Mike Pence. Mike Pence is responsible for the Trump presidency. Why? Because Mike Pence consolidated the evangelical support behind Donald Trump. You understand, evangelical Christians wanted nothing to do with a guy who's been married three times. A guy who has donated to Democratic candidates his whole life, that was Donald Trump. Donald Trump pivoted to become a conservative later in life when he saw how the Democrats were getting over on everybody. When he saw you know, the hypocrisy in their ways, you know, when he saw the decimation of America's manufacturing base and the globalists selling out our country. Donald Trump became a Republican for a lot of the right reasons. To be clear, I'm not disparaging the guy. But, you know, the fact that he could give a, you know, a frog's fanny about Mike Pence, knowing Mike Pence is the reason he got the presidency. Okay, contradicts his take that, you know, guys like Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley owe Trump eminent loyalty to the day they die. They don't owe him that. So I disagree with Trump on the substance of what he's saying here about Haley and DeSantis. But the reason you can't discount Trump is two reasons. One, okay, he's got massive support, really popular within the party. A lot of people want to see him avenge the loss to Joe Biden, become a Grover Cleveland, and that he'd be the second president to serve two non-concurrent terms. Kind of a big deal. And he does put on a hell of a show. Here's Trump speaking about what he called uh, the cult of gender ideology. It's clip 14. We're going to stop the left-wing radical racists and perverts who are trying to indoctrinate our youth, and we're going to get their Marxist hands off of our children. We're going to defeat the cult of gender ideology and reaffirm that God created two genders called men and women. We're not going to allow men to play in women's sports. And by so doing, you know what happens. We're going to save the dignity of women and we're going to save women's sports itself. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Now, he's not wrong. Okay, that's a very popular position amongst parents. But it is a a position that DeSantis has also taken. And it's a position that a lot of Republican contenders will probably take. But you can't underestimate Trump's nose for the fight because the reality is he is in a lot of ways. It's so funny. okay? but in a lot of ways, he represents the frustrations of so many working class people, a billionaire 
who you'd think would be completely out of touch with what you prioritized, is more in touch with what you've prioritized than anybody in Washington. Correct the mundo. Certainly than anybody in these focus groups who, you know, think they're going to win your vote based on a lot of things you don't prioritize. Oh, we got to send all our money to Ukraine. And the American voters like, that's stupid. Use your common sense. You know what I mean? No, no, no. We got to outsource domestic energy production. We got to get in the windmills. We got to get in the electric cars. And the average American's like, that's stupid. Use your common sense. And then Trump waltzes right in front of the microphone and goes straight Mr. Rogers. When it comes to something like the gender ideology that's plaguing your kids, you'll remember Mr. Rogers. Boys are boys from the beginning. If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. Girls are girls right from the start. If you were born a girl, you stay a girl and grow up to be a lady. Can you imagine? The left hears that and they're like, Harry, that's it. We're suing. We're going to sue. But you understand those basic positions that Donald Trump is taking. It's infuriating to the left, but it is very galvanizing to the average rank and file voter who just wants somebody to speak to the madness. And you understand Trump does, yeah, he brings a lot of baggage. A lot of people are tired of the baggage and the tweets and the fights and everything in between. But you know what they're not tired of? They're not tired of somebody fighting for them. And that's where you can't underestimate Trump. Trump is like in boxing. There was a guy named Andrew Galata. And guys didn't want to fight Andrew Galatix. He'd headbutt you. He'd bite you, punch you in the head. If you remember when he fought Riddick Bowe, he punched him in the nuts several times. I mean, it was ugly. And he kept punching Riddick Bowe in the nuts. And the, he eventually got disqualified. And then a brawl broke out. People were hitting the head with walkie-talkies by security guards. I mean, Andrew Galata was a really dirty fighter. You know, and in a lot of ways, Trump is the Andrew Galata of politics. He goes in there. He's going to headbutt you. He's going to bite you. He's going to throw shots at you. Okay, but understand a lot of people are motivated by that. A lot of people gravitate towards that because they realize the people who oppose Trump. I'm talking about the establishment, not just the Democrats, but the Republicans, too, who hate Trump. They fight dirtier than anybody in history. They just do it with a nicer, sweeter vocabulary, with less tweets, with more carefully curated sound bites. But they're here to tell you they care about you and they're here in the name of inclusion and they matter and everything's wonderful. But meanwhile, back at the ranch, they're selling out your whole country. I mean, that's Trump's biggest sin in the eyes of the establishment. If you really wanted to know what it was, it's that he is the one president in our lifetime that didn't start a war. Okay, they hate him for that in Washington. The Hawks make so much money off war. Week after we send tanks to Ukraine, what are they talking about now? We're seeing reports that we could be sending them F-16s next. It's people with a dirty mind that think like that. And the reason I say dirty mind is, one, they have profits in mind. You make a lot of money. Two, there's no de-escalation path. No one who, who gets on the TV in front of a microphone and says, oh, no, you don't understand. It's bad. Ukraine, it's the root of all economic evil. Your gas is expensive because of Ukraine. Your country's bad. Inflation's high because of the Ukraine. So I don't know. Are we doing anything to end the war in Ukraine? The answer would be no. So on some level, you've got to understand they're okay with the war in Ukraine. The fact that Trump didn't actually lead us into these conflicts, the fact that he talked tough because he recognized our enemies, respected the value of peace through strength, okay, meant that we didn't wind up in a lot of the global entanglements we're in now, and that was a good thing. You know, everybody in Washington has a lot of priorities. They're not yours. 
Sometimes you take a guy who says the most simplest things in the world, okay, and they resonate with people. One, because, yes, they infuriate the left. They infuriate the elites that say, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. Men should be swimming in women's sports. None of it matters. Gender is a construct. Whatever you identify, you can go be. A lot of people know that's not true because a lot of people understand basic biology. And let's face it, a lot of people grew up watching Mr. Rogers. And if that's what it's going to take for Trump to win the White House again, put on your cardigan, Donnie, because your ideology is a lot more popular than anybody on the left would want them to believe. Only girls can be the mommies. Only boys can be the daddies. Yes, sir. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon sizing up this crazy 2024 race, which really hasn't started. So Trump is out on the campaign trail. There are going to be, I mean, man, maybe as many as 10 to 12 Republicans throwing their hat into the ring. And you know who else they're going to be running against? It's going to be about that many Democrats running against Biden. I agree with that. Okay, Elizabeth Warren tries to make the case over the weekend that Biden and Harris should run again and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got to be honest, man. Between the document scandal, who, which, you know, who knows where it goes from here, but the fact that the country's on the trajectory that it's on, and, you know, Joe Biden's going to have a really hard time if there's anybody he's running against under the age of 100. But here is Elizabeth Warren trying to sell you on the idea that this is a success. Clip 16. Yes, he should run again, Why? and he is running again, because he has gotten a tremendous amount done. Could Kamala Harris be the, his choice the second time around? You know, I... I really want to defer to what makes Biden comfortable on his team, but they need <laughs> they have to be a team. And my sense is they are. I don't mean that by suggesting I think there are any problems. I think they are. <laughs> and what she's really saying there is Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Should Kamala be on the ticket uh, this time around? Oh, you know, I'm going to defer to the team on that one and, you know. Don't change the subject. Just answer the f***ing question. Think about it. If she thinks Kamala should be, should Kamala be on the team? If you think so, you say yes. Yes, she should be on the team. Yes, she's doing a good job. She didn't say either of those things. I want to defer to what makes Biden comfortable on his team. This is about what makes Biden comfortable. It's send him back to the recliner, hand him a remote and a pudding cup, and let the guy go live out his remaining years. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. There's nothing comfortable about watching Joe Biden right now. Okay, getting led around by his wife and, you know. Forgetting which country he's sending aid to, as he did last week, not knowing who his secretary of defense is. The guy, I mean, he has a mess. I wish him no ill will. Gosh, I hope he's okay. But the fact remains that he's not in a physical condition to do this. The only way Biden can run and win, and I'm not saying he would beat Trump. There's polling out there that shows Trump beating him. But the only way Biden could run and win is if it is against somebody like Trump. You know, the age contrast is going to be too big if there's a younger guy on stage with him. You know, a lot of people want to believe, you know, want to seduce themselves into believing, well, Trump's going to out-hustle Biden. 
and people are just going to realize, you know, how much more formidable he is at his age than Biden is. Okay, Trump did that in the last election, and then media just didn't flat out acknowledge it. That's the issue. Like Trump was doing 12 rallies a day, flying all over the country. I mean, if you think of this past Saturday, guy flew up to New Hampshire, then flew down to South Carolina, then got back to Mar-a-Lago and hosted an event there until 11 p.m., did three in one day, you know, while Biden was probably somewhere watching Bonanza. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, but they'll tell you, you know, the media is, no, no, Biden's got this, I'm telling you. This guy's as sharp as a tack. He didn't even go to the Eagles game yesterday. They sent Jill Biden all by herself. Probably so she could find the classified documents Biden left as VP. We'll get into that next. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. University of New Hampshire has a pullout right now. It says Ron DeSantis is beating Donald Trump 42 percent. To 30 percent. Wrong. Now it's one poll in one state. And let's be honest, the polls weren't exactly right when it came to Donald Trump in the last time around. Uh, but one person we know will not be running in 2024, according to our next guest, is Joe Biden. Pam joins us now from Jupiter, Florida. Hey, girl. Hey, hey, girl. How are you, Jimmy, my favorite radio show host? Oh, you stop it. I'm going to tell Kilmead. We're clipping this. We're sending it right over to Kilmead. I love Brian Kilmead's laugh. He's yeah, he's a the best laugh ever. He, he does have a good he's laugh. A he's a good guy. He's a good egg. So, um, Pam, a couple he's of things on this. Um, you're down in Florida still. No. You, haven't, you haven't made it north yet? I'm sitting on the beach doing my thing, good. if you know what I mean. Whoa. Uh, I'm going to pretend I don't. This is a family program. I'm going to pretend I don't. Um, okay. So is the word on the street down there at the beach that there is no Biden 2024 run? That's what your people are telling you? No, that's a, I, I just feel like isn't there a to, an age when you have to do your driver's license over again? Like 80, the guy's going to run. He could just go, you know, he could just die in his sleep. Oh, man. You know, I'm not wishing that. I'm yeah, not wishing course. that. Like, mm-hmm. I have to say that right away. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's ridiculous. It, it, there should be a law against, you know, so what? He'll be 84, 85 when he's, you know, done. Yeah. It's ridiculous. His wife runs everything, mm-hmm. you know, besides who's running the shit, you know, doctor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. Wizard of Oz in the background there. Yep. But And I think I just decided this as you were talking about DeSantis and Trump. This is what I think. We have to get in there, Jimmy, who can win the election, yep. the general election. Yeah. That's whoever that might be, whoever oh, that might be. Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's what it's going to come down to in the Republican Party. The thing is, like, the race doesn't start till other people get in, uh, but they're right. not going to get in anytime soon because it's expensive and there's nothing to gain. You know, we're, we're a year and a half away from anyone voting on anything. That doesn't start right. till January right. of 2024. So, you know, Trump starts. Is that when it starts? Yeah. So Trump, the Iowa caucuses. But Trump will be out there making noise in the meantime. But uh, I don't know the Biden thing I'm about when you get off the phone, I'm going to play some clips from even from Democrats over the weekend that aren't happy. Like they might try to use this classified document thing to kind of railroad Biden out of there. But the fact remains, I mean, the the guy's a mess. And there's there's no. Yeah, there's no world. okay, where. 
You want to watch an 86-year-old Joe Biden be president, knowing how hard it has oh been to watch God. a 78-year-old Joe Biden to be president, you know? It's, it's, it's pathetic now. Like, yeah. It's just pathetic. I, I, yeah. Every day, something's every day. Yeah, it's not good. So who knows? I love listening to you, Jimmy. Oh, Pam. You say you're just buttering me up now. All right, I'll, 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 we'll talk later, girlfriend. Go enjoy the beach. Okay, play some of those clips out. Oh, they're coming. Hey, Pam, don't tell me how to run my life. Get out of here. I'm kidding. I love you the best. Pam's down in Jupiter, Florida, hanging out in her self-described itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny bikini, I believe, is what she said the last time that she called up on the show. I love it when you talk dirty. Not me. That's Pam. But stick with me because we are going to talk about Democrats and specifically Mark Warner uh, from the great state of Virginia who was on Face the Nation. He's the chairman on the Intelligence Committee and flat out said, hey, you know, we got to make sure there's not an intelligence compromise when it comes to Biden. Here it is, clip one. Our job's not to figure out if somebody mishandled those, but our job is to make sure there's not an intelligence compromise. And while the director of national intelligence had been willing to brief us earlier, now that you've got the special counsel, the notion that we're going to be left in limbo and we can't do our job, that just cannot stand. Okay, and he's right about that. And that's a Democrat speaking to the constraints of the special counsel. So the special counsel basically comes in partly to investigate Biden. That's what Merrick Garland told you. But mostly to also get in the way of the investigations the Republicans are trying to run in the House. That's not right. Marco Rubio said the same. He's a vice chairman on the Intel Committee, and he said the same. It's clip two. These are probably materials we already have access to. We just don't know which ones they are. And it's not about being nosy. You know, here's the bottom line. If, in fact, those documents were very sensitive, materials were sensitive, and they pose a counterintelligence or national security threat to the United States, then the intelligence agencies are tasked with the job of coming up with ways to mitigate that. So somehow the only people who are not allowed to know what was in there are congressional oversight committees. So this is an untenable situation that I think has to be resolved. I mean, you think about that. you got a committee, and their job is to perform oversight is to find out what Biden had in his house, what it was about. And they're being told, no, no, you can't know. So how the hell do they perform oversight? The answer is they don't. And that's where this looks like a little bit of a political double standard in that Biden is being protected. When Trump had classified documents, the FBI took a photo of them and fanned them out on the carpet at Mar-a-Lago and was like, look at what we found. And again, they didn't go into the intimacies of each individual document, but they did photograph all the cover sheets and spread them out so you could see what they were pertaining to. Which, again, if this stuff is so classified and so dangerous, and that's what we were told about Trump, then in what world can you start photographing it and sharing it on Twitter to make the guy look bad? Now, here's a newsflash. You have not seen what's in the Biden documents. You have not seen a share of the cover of the Biden documents. And you know what that tells you? What Biden had was actually dangerous. Oh, wow. Think about it. They ain't sharing it. They don't want you to see it. And, yeah, you could argue, well, they're just trying to protect a Democratic president. But what they're really trying to protect is you. They're trying to protect the country. If Biden compromised sources and methods or any type of you know, critical information, we got a big problem. Okay, and understand, Hunter Biden, we're now reading emails from the laptop, we're reading text messages from the laptop, that he was using Biden's Delaware home as his office. It's where he operated. So the guy who was involved in an influence peddling scheme around the world 
the guy who is, you know, confessed to being an addict, I don't begrudge him that. I mean, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Addiction's horrific. But understand, if you are addicted, you'll do anything for money. And if he's willing to trade on his father's name to get money, I don't doubt for a second he's willing to trade on his father's security clearance. You know what I'm saying? So there's a real situation on our hands. And Jim Jordan spoke to it. He was on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. We don't do this a lot on the show, but I do have to play you some quick Chuck Todd clips here on a Monday. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I know. Chuck Todd's a tough, it's a tough watch. It's a tough listen. But here is Jordan fighting with Chuck Todd about the double standards when it comes to classified documents. Clip four. They raided Trump's home. They haven't raided Biden's home. Because they- Biden didn't defy a subpoena, Congressman. He <laughs> defied a subpoena. By the way, he had 60 days to they comply with Trump's- the subpoena before they actually executed President the Trump had documents locked in a room with Secret Service protecting them. Uh, President Biden had documents in his garage and in a think tank that was funded by the Chinese. I think there's a difference. President Trump was the only guy who was actually right. president. Right. The, I mean, you talk about that. You're worried about the Chinese and, and, and Hunter no, Biden. No, I'm just saying, Are I think there's a difference. Are you worried about the Chinese and Donald they Trump? They took pictures. They took pictures of... Are you at all worried about that? No, I, I'm not. But they took pictures of, of the documents at Trump's house. They took no pictures of documents. In fact, it's not just me who would like to know what went on here. Senator Warner said it last I, week. He would like to get a briefing. He wants to see the documents. No and guess Congressman, what? The FBI the is saying, no, but they took pictures the issue of the is folders not whether, in Trump's home. The issue is not whether Joe Bi- what Joe Biden did. No, the, uh, issue is, the issue is equal why treatment is it- under the law. That's the issue. He's not wrong. Okay. Equal treatment under the law. Are we getting equal treatment under the law between Trump and Biden? The answer would be no. And understand, Trump was president. Whether he declassified documents or not, he had the declassification authority to do so as president. Biden didn't have it. Now, you can tell me the reason Trump got a raid and Biden didn't was because of compliance but it still doesn't subject itself to scrutiny because Biden's story has changed three times. Okay, oh, we found some documents in the think tank that was funded by the Chinese, but we did a thorough sweep. There's nothing else. Then they trotted KGP out the next day. Oh, well, okay, we did a little sweep. We found some in the house. Uh, The lawyers looked it over, turned it in, but there was nothing else. Then we had, oh, well, we found some in the garage, and they're... We got the ones in the garage. They were laying on the floor, uh, but there's nothing else. We found at least one more dump of classified documents since then. So Biden has changed the story four times. Biden did not have declassification authority. So it does look like it's not equal treatment under the eyes of the law. But what Chuck Todd was trying to do there is say, oh, the issue is not about what Biden. Of course it is. This is our national security. And it's very relevant That Trump had these documents at Mar-a-Lago, a a place with 24-hour Secret Service protection, whereas Joe Biden had these documents at his Delaware mansion, a place that had 24-hour drugs and hookers for his son Hunter, okay? Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. But it is relevant. And the bigger issue here is that if either of these men compromised our national security, we're all compromised. But understand, they don't care about that on the left. They're just trying to protect this president. Okay, here is Donald Trump. It was really funny calling out the Biden Hunter laptop. It's clip six. We have a president whose son's laptop from hell gets taken over and exposes massive corruption like nobody's ever seen before. You think the father, do you ever hear this? Do you think the father was upset 
Dad, I left my laptop in a repair shop. Forgot to pick it up, and this repair guy went a little crazy when he saw what was on it. What's on it, son? Every crime that you've ever committed. <laughs> now, at what point does the father get angry? <laughs> you know, like, this kid is not working out well for me. <laughs> and then the FBI goes and convinces the media that it's Russian disinformation. I mean, it was no bigger scam in the world than the media telling you it was Russian disinformation. The media is a bunch of losers. They really are. But I think this really sets up this other Chuck Todd clip I'm going to play. So here's Chuck Todd talking to Jim Jordan, wanting to know why Trump, you know, how come Jim Jordan never sees a conspiracy from a Republican? How about you kill me? Only call out Biden. Okay, there's a reason for this. Okay, one is Hunter Biden's business partners have publicly publicly come forward and put their name on claims that the Bidens were selling influence in China, that the Chinese Communist Party has a financial interest in the Bidens and their dealings. Okay, if this were the case with a Trump, we would have burnt the whole country down by now. Okay, but understand that's relevant because there is actual emails, photographs, and suspicious activity reports filed during Obama's time in the White House against Hunter Biden's shady business dealings. So when you got a guy who's been flagged by the United States Treasury Department over 150 times for suspicious banking activity, and then you come to find out the guy also had access to classified documents, and we've seen all the pictures of Hunter driving his dad's Corvette in and out of that garage, then it starts to become a concern if for no other reason than because... Hunter's a dirtbag. And if he's got access to those documents, don't think for a second he wouldn't sell them. Doesn't think he wouldn't make money off them. So it's a concern. But here is Jordan sparring with Chuck Todd, clip five. The issue of treatment you under do the not law. seem to ever see the same conspiratorial problems when it's a Republican. Those were all investigated for f- four years and they continue the way, to do it. Their Durham investigation investigated oh. everything you're trying to investigate and came up with nothing. Do you not trust Bill Barr and, and Mr. Durham? The Mueller investigation, we had two and a half years of this, and they were going to find Russian collusion, and guess what? They can't. Even know, Adam, Adam Schiff but, told us, Adam Schiff told but the, us but that the Durham investigation did not come up with any, they investigated all this, all these concerns that you had about the FBI, about made up snitches, all these things. They didn't find anything. Why is it that you want to reinvestigate it? They found that Kevin Kleinsmith altered documents and he pled guilty to it. That's fine. So, when you got someone with the FBI altering documents in front of the FISA court, that's not finding anything? <laughs> I mean, think about that. That's Chuck Todd. What a loo. I mean, that's true. Kevin Kleinsmith pled guilty to falsifying documents. That's what the, the Durham probe revealed. Okay, the Durham probe revealed that when it came to the Mueller probe, the process was the punishment. The Durham probe revealed that the Mueller probe was started based on falsified documents by people who worked for the Clinton campaign. They created the pretense that Trump was doing business with Russia so they'd have a counter-narrative to Hillary Clinton's email server. And then they leaked one anonymously sourced bombshell report after another saying the walls were closing in on Trump. His family was going to testify. They're all going to jail. It's going to be a mess. Everybody's leaving the White House. And they went on and on for two and a half years knowing full well that there was no collusion. It was made up. So when Chuck Todd asks Jim Jordan, you know, how come you you don't see the conspiracies when it's a Republican, but only on a Democrat? You want to know why? Because all the conspiratorial charges against Trump 
were all made up. Bingo. When it comes to Biden, these aren't anonymously sourced bombshells. These are his son's business partners coming forward and saying, oh, yeah, no, it was an influence peddling scheme. Biden was getting a 10 percent kickback from everything his son was doing overseas. His, his brother Jim was involved. Here are the pictures. Here are the email replies. Here are the requests for office keys. Here is Biden meeting with Hunter's business partners. Here's an email thanking Biden for meeting with Hunter's business partners, even though he has told us at every turn he never once discussed business with his son, Hunter. Come on, don't bullshit me. But that's exactly what he's been doing this whole time. So the reason Jim Jordan is mopping the floor with Chuck Todd in that moment is one guy is debating his emotions, which is Chuck Todd just wanting you to be angry at Donald Trump because that's what he does for a living. The other guy is bringing the facts, okay? And the facts that we do know, okay, point towards Joe Biden being a part of a large influence peddling scheme. Now, whether or not that bores out to be true and people go to jail, I have no idea. I don't know where it's going to head. But if you're wondering why there's more concern about Biden's classified documents than Trump's, it's because, one, Trump's story hasn't changed four times. We haven't found additional documents after the Mar-a-Lago raid. Biden, the story since the first turning over of the documents, has yielded three more dumps of documents. It becomes a little more concerning, especially when you have on record reporting that the guy was getting a kickback from what his son was doing overseas. Are you the big man, Joe? People are on record as saying yes. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Super Bowl matchups are set. It is the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a wild one, man. I was rooting for the Bengals. I wanted to see Bill Hemmer's team make their way back to the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, unfortunately. And, of course, the Eagles fans picked up where they left off the last time they won the Super Bowl, knocking over light poles and collapsing bus stops and all kinds of craziness out there. I never understood destroying the town when you win. You know, you win the game, you go out and destroy the town. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I never understood destroying a town when you lose, if we're going to be honest. You know, usually when I lost, I was busy destroying myself because I was usually in some type of debt I didn't have to a bookmaker. This could be a problem. But uh, the Philly fans are a passionate bunch. We were reading yesterday that they were egging San Francisco fans before the game I got to tell you, that's a level of commitment with the egg prices we have right now. If you're out there throwing eggs in this economy, I mean, you're really committed to hating the other team, okay? Because I don't know if you checked, but the only thing higher than the egg prices are the people that think Biden's doing a good job with the economy. Biden sucks. It's a mess. We're going to get into it in the next hour. We're going to have a grown-up talk about the environmental yahoos because our former Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke, now a Montana representative, going to talk to us about some green energy initiatives coming from the woke left. They're crazy. They really are. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Back in action, got a big hour coming up with Fox Across America. Your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. I am going to be talking to Congressman Ryan Zinke, who represents the 1st Congressional District of Montana. He's a former Secretary of the Interior. He's a former Navy SEAL commander. This guy has seen some things. Uh, and he is not happy with any of the things 
he has seen out of the far-left radicals in the climate wing of this country. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! And he's not the only one. Bill Maher, Bill Maher of all people, was doing his HBO show Friday night, and he also called out the climate hypocrisy that we see day in and day out from the people on the left. Democrats are so full of crap. A lot of people feel that way. Let's start with Bill Maher amongst them because he was talking about, you know, something you've heard me say on this show a lot, which is that everybody pushing climate initiatives on you isn't following them. It's no different than lockdowns or anything else. The phrase you hear bandied about a lot is rules for thee, but not for me. But that's the climate crowd completely. I mean, how many jokes have we told about everybody flying private to Davos. If you're really concerned about cleaning up the air, you don't board a vessel with 24 times the carbon footprint as the alternative means of transportation. You just don't. If it is a climate emergency, yo, it is an emergency. Okay, if it's an emergency, you don't make it worse. You don't call the fire department and go, yeah, then house is on fire. We're going to go ahead and throw some gasoline on it and a couple of matches. And could you send a fire truck down here in the meantime? No, no, you're not going out of your way to make the emergency worse. But that's exactly what these people are doing. Why? Because they're getting paid every single time they fly around the world privately and say the world is on fire. Money, 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 money. That's all they care about every single time. So Bill Maher is kind of calling out that hypocrisy because, to be honest with you, nothing discredits climate change more than the people selling you climate change because they're not following their own initiatives. And I find this one really interesting because there's a twofold, you know, part to this analysis. One is that the people pushing for this stuff aren't following the initiatives. The other is, and this is the big one, nobody on earth cares about what's going on with climate change. Bingo, man, bingo. Okay, inflation's out of control. The border's wide open. Crime is spiking. Fentanyl has become the leading cause of adult death in this country. Nobody cares what the weather's going to do in 50 years. They just don't care. I promise. Climate change is white privilege. It's elite white liberals who can afford to care what the weather's going to do in 50 minutes. Most people are trying to figure out how they're going to pay their rent in 50 days. You know, let alone 30 days from when it's due, then it's back to the next grind. You know, paycheck to paycheck. 65% of the country is living paycheck to paycheck. They don't care. If climate change mattered to people, like really mattered on a grand scale, you know what they would do, right? Okay, they would pass climate change bills that actually had the word climate change in the title. That's true. That is true. Okay, the biggest climate change bill ever passed in the history of this country was called the Inflation Reduction Act. Why? Because people cared about inflation. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act didn't lower inflation. In fact, the Congressional Budget Office says it will increase inflation. What a fraud. But think about what they did. They passed it anyway because they said, well, you don't know any better. You're dumb. You live in the middle of the country. You're dumb. What do you know? We got to pass it for you is what we got to do. And then they passed the Inflation Reduction Act and yelled up, screamed about what a big win it was for the American people who never asked to be in this contest. Okay, but here is Bill Maher just speaking to the obvious, which is that no one wants to change their lifestyles anyway. 
And he takes exception to some of them saying, oh, they're selfish and everything in between. But the reality is the reality. Nobody cares about climate change because the narrative behind climate change has shifted too many times. The only constant has been whether they were telling you you were going to freeze to death or you were going to melt. They were making money off of your fear. Pay up, suckers. Here it is. Clip 24. I don't know what will work, but I know what didn't work. Asking people to be good. (laughs) Trying to convince our citizens and other countries to use less and pollute less, sacrifice more. Mm. When you tell humans, if you do these environmentally friendly things, we can all continue to live. Their response is, what's in it for me? (laughs) So just to be clear... I do still believe very much that climate change is an emergency, but I don't think we're going to win it by grocery shopping with a laundry bag (laughs) or banning the gas stoves or imagining a human can really drink this through a paper straw. So he's not wrong there, okay? But if it was an emergency and he believed it was an emergency, I'm telling you right now, he wouldn't be confessing to flying private, which he does. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Here is Bill Barr. Ah, Bill Barr, Bill Maher, Clip 25. It's just not in us, including me. And I'm tired of living a, well, not a lie, but it's also something I never mention, but it's a new year, and I'd like to come clean. My name is Bill. And I fly private. (laughs) Again, joke, he's a comedian, and that's great. And Bill Maher's a great, uh, fantastic political comedian. Uh, But the reality is he himself, as a guy who just told you climate change is an emergency, also admits in the next breath that he is not flying commercial. What does that mean? It means he doesn't really think climate change is an emergency. Straight up, guys. It's all a scam. Here he is making jokes about the other people who fly privates. Worth hearing. Clip 26. Now enjoy this fun photo collage of some of your favorite stars and (laughs) politicians who speak about the need to reduce our carbon footprint, but who are always on private planes. That's right, all of them. If you don't see a celebrity's picture here, it's because we weren't allowed to use it. Or their series got canceled. (laughs) But all the environmentalists of Hollywood and Washington do it. Their position on climate change is, we must do more to stop pouring carbon into the air, except for me when I want to go somewhere and then I take a private jet. You get it? We got to stop. And by we, I mean you. He knows what he's talking about. There is no we. Do you remember when they were telling you during COVID lockdowns, we are all in this together? Not even close. Okay, every time a Democrat told you to stay home, they were doing so from somewhere they were out. Gavin Newsom famously got caught at the French Laundry. Lori Lightfoot famously caught at a salon when she shut all the salons. Nancy Pelosi did the same thing. Do you remember when Nancy Pelosi, now you can't go to the salon, no going to the salon, they're all closed. And what did she do? She went to the salon. Nancy Pelosi is a total dingbat. No differently than all the people who say, no, we we can't have school choice, teachers unions, school choice. 
And what do every single prominent Democrat who tells you you can't have school choice do? They send their kids over to the private school. Do you remember during the lockdowns? No, we got to shut the public schools. It's racist. Uh, kids are going to die. It's going to disproportionately impact people of color. So close the schools. Meanwhile, every Democrat telling you that, including Gavin Newsom, got caught taking their kids to private schools, which were still open. That's just how white folks will do you. We're never all in this together. You're in this. You're on your own. You're doing what they tell you to if you're gullible enough to listen up. But they themselves have no intention of changing their lives. He just flat out admits it in that montage, and it's funny. They don't care. The people preaching climate justice, okay, are not following their orders. That's everything you need to know. Do you understand? Everything you need to know. If this is an existential threat, if they truly believe the world is going to end, okay, there's no way they could be making the problem worse. I think he's got a point. None, but they don't believe it. Okay, the only thing they believe in is their bottom line. Please give us money. That is climate change. That's all climate change is. Okay, they call it green energy because they're making a lot of green off selling you that gospel. Please give us money. That's all it is every single time. And even Bill Maher admits it. No, I fly private. These people fly private. Okay, you can't ask people to change because they don't want to change. Okay, if, if, if everything... Okay, that's going to make us live longer or avoid a climate catastrophe. Okay, is going to make life suck in the meantime. Then who the hell wants to live longer anyway? You know what I'm saying? I mean, really? So you're telling me we can all live another an extra five years if we just drink through plastic straws and deal with not being able to drive our own cars because we've all got to jump onto mass transit? And deal with not even eating steak anymore because there's too many farting cows. It's not what I said. It's what they said. That's the point. Now we're going to get rid of meat. We've got to fake meat now. No more no real meat. They're telling you not to have kids because it's bad for the climate. Are they stopping? No. They're telling you to fly commercial because it's bad for the climate. Are they stopping? No. Okay. The predictions have been all over the map. We're going to freeze to death. All right, 10 years later. We didn't freeze. We're going to melt. All right, we didn't melt. The weather's just changing. It's changing so much that if I don't fly around the world with 25 times the carbon footprint of everybody else and preach this gospel, I'm telling you we're all going to die. You're all a bunch of grifters. They really are. But that's the common thread here when it comes to climate change, okay? They're getting richer. In some instances, you're getting poorer because they're decimating our domestic energy production. They're decimating our manufacturing base. Okay, they're sending reparations to other countries. Climate reparations. That is financial lunacy. Straight up lunacy. But they don't care about that because that's your money. That's your tax dollars. (laughs) Okay, the only money they're concerned about is theirs. Money, 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 money. It's the rock band that's being forced on the public. Joe Biden presents The Electric Cars. Charge all night, drive all day. The government won't let you have a say. Charge it up. Charge it up. An album that will leave you feeling totally plugged in. She won't start again. The 
electric cars. Sure, they're way too expensive, but pretending to save the world is never cheap. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Talking about a lot of the big government intrusions into our lives right now. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Ronald Reagan, not the only one who felt that way. There's a Gallup poll out today. Today, Monday. Uh, Gallup poll finds that the majority of Americans believe that the government and poor leadership are the biggest problems facing our country. Biden is such a disaster. Go through this polling really quick, okay? Tell me when you hear climate change, okay? It's going to be a minute. Okay, number one issue facing our country. What do you think is the most important problem facing this country today? This is January 30th, 2023. Number one issue, the government, poor leadership. Number two issue, inflation. Number three issue, Immigration. Number four issue, the economy in general. Number five issue, unifying the country. Number six issue, race relations and racism. 5% of the people said that, okay, compared to a combined, okay, 60% who say the economy. So when they tell you racism is the problem in America, those really are just race pimps just peddling those narratives. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. That being said, people do consider race relations, even if it's only 5% of Americans, 5% of Americans consider race relations the biggest problem facing our country, okay? It was the sixth most popular answer. You know what the seventh most popular answer is of the biggest problem facing our country? Homelessness. You know what the eighth most popular answer is? Crime and violence. Do you know what the ninth most popular answer is? Ethical, moral, and family decline. Okay, these are the issues that got votes from the American people to a margin of at least 1%. Do you know what didn't get a single solitary number? Are you ready for it? Climate change. Bingo. Nobody cares. You can't even register a percent of the American people that care. Okay, issues mentioned, according to the polling, by less than 1% of U.S. adults in January are not shown. So less than 1% of U.S. adults believe climate change is the biggest issue facing our country. The point is it doesn't even make the top 10, okay, percentage-wise. Yet they're trying to reconfigure everything we do in this country to accommodate the climate crowd. Their priorities are not your own. This is where I'm telling you a lot, man, when it comes to politics and stuff. The reason I'm trying to do a show that kind of lowers the temperature and makes common sense points that people on both sides should agree with is because as the employers, we're the employers, the voters are the employers. We're in charge of who gets to go to Washington and who stays home. 
but we're not doing our jobs properly by just making it about, well, I want the Republicans to win. Well, I want the Democrats to win. And that's what we focus on. Once we have an outcome in an election, well, the Republicans won, so we'll just blame them for four years. Oh, the Democrats won. We'll get mad at them. Okay? We don't actually focus on the individual day-to-day job of governance. Now, to be clear, a lot of the time it's because the bureaucrats run the country, not even the elected officials. But the fact remains we're getting railroaded into a domestic climate agenda that's no one's priority, not yours, not mine, not anybody's in between. It doesn't even register 1% of adults' support in this country. As people think climate change is the thing we got to be doing right now, right now, climate change, right now. Nobody thinks that. You know what they think? They think the government sucks. Do you want to know why they think the government sucks? Because it does. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. This poll, okay, it was a January 2nd through 22nd field period and included a four-day, 15-vote process, which Republicans, who now hold a slim majority in the House of Representatives, ultimately elected Kevin McCarthy to be Speaker of the House. Revelations of classified documents from 2009 to 2017 found in President Joe Biden's private office and home. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, Although mentions of the government as the nation's top problem rose six months this month, job approval ratings of Biden in Congress remained flat. Democrat ranks as the top problem for both Republicans and Republican-leaning independents and Democrats and Democratic-leading independents. The government is everybody across all the broadest swath. Independents, Democrats, Democrat-leading independents, Republicans, Republican independents, they all say the same thing. The government sucks. That's the issue we're dealing with. Right now in this country, above all else, so you can yell about climate change or the border or the guns or the that, but you know what the average American person keeps thinking to themselves every day when they open up a newspaper? We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. Truer words never been said. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are. Joining us now on the show, this gentleman is actually the answer to a trivia question. He is the first Navy SEAL to be a cabinet member. He was the Secretary of the Interior under President Donald Trump. And he is, of course, now a superstar representative from the 1st Congressional District of Montana, Representative Ryan Zinke in the House. Hey, man. Hey, great to be with you. And and believe it or not, I'm still an optimist. (laughs) (laughs) You're still holding on. I can tell you, Jimmy, that D.C. didn't get better in my absence. It's a mess. Uh, But uh, but I I, I think we'll we'll get there. There's a lot of fundamentals we have to reform and and, and prioritize. But uh, I I see good things. Look, we're we're a great country, but we're going to have to – change the trajectory and get things done. Yeah, it's a mess. I say this all the time. We have championship caliber talent in the locker room. Uh, we just probably could use a coaching change, maybe a little front office makeover. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. And and at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I sit on the right side of the equation. And, and, you know, from our perspective, you know, we got we got to have an adequate checks and balance. You know, and we, we went through a speaker's race that was you know, largely about showboating and positioning. They really didn't do any any policy changes, but we're through that. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, the House, it's a last line of freedom. And, and in order to be effective, 
we got to learn how to march and train together. And, you know, from a former SEAL perspective, I tell you, it's hard to advance when you got snipers inside the perimeter. So it's time to, to you know, put it all together, get a team out there, and, and do our job. And, and there's a lot of difficult decisions that have to be made, but we got to do our job. Imagine that. We're talking to Representative Ryan Zinke from the great state of Montana. Um, one of the things that we feel like is happening in Washington, I was just reading a Gallup poll to the listeners, is that Washington's prioritizing a lot of things that we aren't prioritizing. And a good example of that would be the climate agenda. Now, you come from Montana. It's a lot of coal, uh, you know, a lot of domestic energy production in Montana as a whole. Uh, but we seem to be decimating our own domestic energy base here in America. And I don't know that the American people are asking for that. Is that something they were asking you on the campaign trail? Well, look, uh, energy breaks down to three things. Mm -hmm. One, if you're an environmentalist, it's better to produce energy here at home under our regulation than watch it get produced overseas with no regulation. So if you're an environmentalist, you want American-made energy, and we do fuels better, faster, more efficiently, cleaner than anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and secondly, you know, so so you have the environmental case for fossil fuels and made in America energy. Then you have the moral case. And look, I spent most of my lifetime fighting overseas for someone else's energy, mm-hmm. and I've lost a lot of good friends and teammates. And I can tell you, when we have the energy here, I don't want to see your kids, my grandchildren, ever have to fight on foreign shores for someone else's energy. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Jimmy, look, the economy matters. Jobs matter. People's future matters. And manufacturing in this country matters. And the only way we can do it is we got to have low energy costs to manufacture. Uh, if, we, if we don't, you know, we're going to be dependent on China for EVs and chips uh, for the duration. And, and we don't want that. So strong economy, strong environmental policy, and morally uh, producing American energy. And this, and this administration has got it 180 degrees out. Yeah, I feel the same way, Um, you know, especially when it comes to China, because you think about the burn the candle at both ends mentality that they have right now, which is we're selling out to China to make a lot of this green energy stuff a reality. But at the same time, they're the biggest polluter in the world. China's not going green anytime soon unless you're talking about green money. Well, look, you know, 90 percent of the world's plastics in the oceans come from four rivers in China. Right, and these companies that pretend to be environmentally sensitive when they're made in China, you know, that's the height of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And, and then the EV, you, you look at, you know, I'm for cleaner fuels, absolutely, but you got to look at the supply chain from beginning to end. And so, ironically, we are becoming more dependent on China in the EV world for the components that make up the the EV universe, batteries. Uh, chips, cells, solar cells, all this is primarily made in China, or China has a significant market share. And then what are we going to do at the tail end? You know, 90% of solar cells get thrown in a, in a landfill. And I can tell you what's in a solar cell is not good. Yeah. So, And we haven't figured out how to, how to you know, recycle and dispose safely of the batteries. So we, we need to work the entire, the entire supply chain on this. But you know, there's a lot of fear mongering, uh, you know, out there on climate change, and shame on them. Yeah. So, are you telling me that our problems won't go away if we just stop cooking with gas stoves? 
You know, it's it's like with, you know, cow gas and 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 stoves and your you know natural mm-hmm. gas your stoves. The moment we really have to be concerned about that, I guess we fixed everything else, Jimmy. <laughs> We're good here. <laughs> you know, the, 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 we've shut down the border, our supply chain. You know, we we our economy's humming. You know, no. So <laughs> let's focus on what's important, shall we? Imagine Representative Ryan Zinke is on the line. He's the first Navy SEAL to be a cabinet member under Donald Trump. I remember back when you were the Secretary of the Interior. So you are kind of like a living, breathing, trivial pursuit answer. Does that matter? Do you get well, any currency for that? Does anyone ever give you a free beer or something? Well, I did go on Jeopardy. and I did not go on Jeopardy, <laughs> but I was a Jeopardy question uh-huh. on there. But, you know, you look at this, and, you know, from my perspective, you, you, you look what's happening in foreign shores, right? Mm-hmm. Ukraine comes up. And and I I grew up under the John F. Kennedy will pay any price, bear any burden to make sure that that liberty survives, right? Mm-hmm. But look, Ukraine's not a blank check. Yeah, this is this is being fought on the backs of the U.S. taxpayers. So somebody show me a plan. Yeah. Someone give me an idea what the end state is on this thing, yeah. because right now it seems like a you know a never licking ice cream cone that we're just sending more and more and more to Ukraine uh, and with, without a plan. Yeah, that drives me nuts, too, man, because there is no off ramp. We don't have any defined like goal in terms of victory. But I think back to your old boss when you served under Donald Trump, that might be the thing that upsets the elites in Washington more than anything is that he wasn't really a big pro-war president that led us into a lot of expensive overseas wars. And uh, right now, I mean, there seems to be a huge appetite to see this to the ends of the earth. But if you're going to tell me that the Ukraine conflict is the root of all economic evil in America, I think most Americans would rather you end that root of all evil or at least be making an effort. And they don't seem to be making one. I mean, are you hearing things I'm not hearing? Well, I think you're exactly right. You know, number one, blank checks uh, historically uh, lead to catastrophe. World War II was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and now, you know, what's the end state? Uh, Russia's not going to give back the Crimean Peninsula. That's their only warm water port. But mm-hmm. Zelensky is, is pushing for that. Mm-hmm. The eastern side of Ukraine, you know, is, is pro-Russian. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I look at maybe a semi-autonomous, you know, zone like we did in Iraq, where they mm-hmm. still you know, are, are part of the Ukrainian parliament, but have some degree of, of, of latitude. But but you're right. We can't continue to go to, to pump money in and resources. Uh, the, the world's dangerous enough uh, unless we have a plan how to get there. You know, nor can we continue to spend. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the big debt ceilings coming up. Yeah. And look, you know, I, I, yeah. We just cannot continue to spend money we don't have at the rates we are. And what are we going to do about it? Well, we got to have a plan. And 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 immediately when you say, well, the budget, and just for the the viewers out there and listeners, you know, there's Congress comes together and we vote we vote on about 28 percent of the budget. That's you know defense and interior and what most people see as the front store of of the government. But what we don't vote or review is the other 72 percent, which is entitlements. Jeez. And you know, there's some entitlements that, that have, have outlived their lifestyle that no longer produce results. And there's some there's some government programs that probably need more funding. But you got to review them and you, you got to have the guts to open them up and have the debate. But when when the government is running on overdrive without review, without any congressional review at all, when 72 percent of it. You're not going to be able to balance 
our budget and our spending on 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 the twenty eight percent. You're going to have to open up both sides. Yeah, this is just a reality. No, this this isn't good, man. They're they're, run, they're making a mess of the place. I always say you look at a country like you're running a household. You have X amount of income, Y amount of bills. You got what you want to do. You got what you you know you need to do. And I think this government has prioritized what it wants to do more than what it needs to do. And that's how you wind up $31 trillion in debt. And I'm saying this as someone who's not good with money. I spent the 90s investing all of my money in blackjack and fast women. You know, but again, it's, it's, I'm not telling you it didn't pay I, off at the I time. I hope you were better at blackjack. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so, but, you know, but yeah, the other side is, you know, you, you, you look at it as, you know, 30 years ago, our budget was just reversed. Discretionary spending was about 70 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and entitlements was 30. So along the way. You know, it's it's happened that we need we need to reorganize and refocus, make sure the resources are going to programs that are effective. Yep. Yeah, you know, and lastly, I'll give you an example of how the government expands. And I'm pro defense. You know, as a Navy SEAL, and yep. and uh, certainly when we put our troops into harm's way, you want to give them every equipment, uh, every advantage to win. But within the Department of Defense, there's 800,000 DoD employees. Those are non-uniform civilians yeah and we've created an army of civilians that's larger than the united states army we've created an army of bureaucrats that's crazy so, you know and, and the defense department is fast becoming you know a department of health care and pension fund that happens to make a few billets so we're gonna have to reorganize that as well a lot of work to do yeah come on in congress yeah enough enough of these jeopardy questions you got to get back to work <laughs> listen man <laughs> Well, yeah, you, you, and you know, it's, it, it is hard work. So, and and people got to go through, and they got to show up on time. I'm, I'm glad that McCarthy has, has said, you know, no more remote work. <laughs> uh, everyone gets a voice, and, and that's it. And I'll, I'll go back to we have to operate as a unit and and work together because uh, you know having snipers and and circling the wagons and shoot in. Uh, just is not a formula for success. Yeah, it ain't working. Well, listen, I'm I'm glad we got you in there. We might not we might need to clone you, so don't go anywhere because it's a mess. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate your time, man. We got to do it again soon, all right? Indeed, and God bless. You're the best, Representative Ryan Zinke. There he goes. Tell him like it is, man. We got to play team ball. That's what you got to do in this day and age. It's such a hyper-partisan country right now. Everybody in this country thinks they are special. Nobody wants to be part of a team. But a guy like that does. You know, he's a former Navy SEAL commander. He gets it. He gets the value. The problem in our politics right now, I'm not even kidding, man. It's so crazy, is we're not debating the issues. We're debating what one side's political stance means according to the other side. And what I mean by that is Republicans will take a situation like, uh, we got to balance the budget. And the Democrats go, oh, that means you want to cut Social Security. And I don't know, um, no more education for gay people or trans people or black people. Like, they're not saying any of that. But that's how this works. Do you remember last week when Corrine Jean-Pierre said Republicans voted to raise Gas prices? That is a fact check false. That's what she said. Republicans voted to raise gas prices. You're not telling me the truth. No. Republicans, there was no bill on the table that was like, hey, do you want to raise gas prices, yes or no? No one voted on that. The Republican position last week was what? They do not, and it had bipartisan support, to be clear. The Democrats supported it, too. 
They do not want this administration raiding our strategic petroleum reserves again and using that for domestic energy as a source of retail domestic energy. Why didn't they want to do it again? Because it was never supposed to be done in the first place. The strategic petroleum reserves, strategic because either through war or an act of God, we might lose our refinery capacity for weeks at a time. Ergo, we put away a strategic reserve of oil. So if our back's to the wall and we can't produce it, we can't get petroleum, we have it laying around. Now, in this instance, they decimated our strategic petroleum reserves to the lowest level since 1984, which means if, in fact, heaven forbid, we found our backs against the wall because of an act of God or because of war, we wouldn't necessarily have the supply available that we need. Now, understand, our enemies know that. So anybody in Washington who says, hey, by the way, let's not do this thing that puts us at a national security risk just because high price ga- gas prices are making Biden unpopular at the polls. Why don't we, oh, I don't know, concentrate on boosting domestic energy production. Let's produce more. Let's change the ratios of supply and demand. Let's put us in a better position at the pump. Let's put us on a better footing on the world stage. That's what the stance was. It was recharacterized by Karine Jean-Pierre in the White House as Republicans just voted to raise your gas prices. That is a lie. A huge lie. But this is why we don't play team ball, because one side of the aisle is debating fake stuff. Ron DeSantis passed a bill called the Parental Rights and Education Act, said you cannot sexualize children. No drag shows, no gender ideology. Don't tell them they can subtract their junk before they learn to add numbers. The Democrats said, what? Oh, it's a don't say gay bill. That's what's going on here. And they never mentioned the word gay once. And I think that's the bigger problem here. As you talk about playing team ball, but it's really hard to do it if one side's full of Common sense from a not-so-sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the, it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the, it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. Going to be taking my talents over to your TV set after this. I will be on Gutfeld tonight at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time with our lovable comedy dwarf Greg Gutfeld. Highest rated show in all the late night comedy. It's pretty wild. Uh, but we're going to go have a grown up talk about everything going on in the country. Paul Morrow is on the show. You heard him on this show earlier today. Douglas Murray will be there as well. And the great Cat Timp stopping by to round out the cast. It's going to be a wild one. Uh, I got to tell you, man. Having really digested everything going on in media this week, you know, we've got the classified document scandal, all the silly green energy stuff. Trump hit the campaign trail. We've had, obviously, this hideous police murder down in Memphis. Uh, It's a really good time for a diversion, getting away from the headlines for a few minutes and just having a couple of laughs. So what we're going to do in addition to plugging my Gutfeld appearance tonight on that comedy show is talk about Mikey's love life for the final minute of the show. Mikey Mondays, back by sort of popular demand. Mikey, what does it say about the world that things have gotten so bad we'd rather hear about your dating history than talk about headlines? 
Is it a bad sign for America that we're back on Mikey Mondays for a third week? I would say it's a pretty bad sign, yeah. Is, are you making any progress on your side of the aisle? Well, uh, it depends on how you define progress. Oh, no, Josh, this isn't good. <laughs> I, I think we need to get away from this depressing news and go back to the other depressing news. <laughs> Josh is like, can you get back to the fentanyl deaths? This is, yeah, this isn't working for me. I don't know what's going on. But the point is you are engaged in communications with members of the opposite sex. Of course, always. Okay, okay yes. always. And the, the, the willing, though, do they know? Or are you just shouting things? At, are you catcalling women on the subway? When you say always, I mean, it sounds like you don't know when to shut it off. Well, hey, over here. I'm kidding. But you got some irons in the fire, as they say? Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, I think that's an accurate way to describe it. Okay. As long as the fire's not powered by gas, we should all be fine. Exactly. Uh, the show's over. Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a jerk. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 